back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Oh, it is uh, Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. And, uh, well, we're getting you ready for major Cowboys, Eagles. We've had some Baylor talk today. And uh, Pete Souza joining us now. And uh, Pete was on the call last night for uh, Baylor over Seton Hall. And the Bears looked good. Seton Hall made a little bit of a run in the second half, but the Bears pulled away. Pete, it was great. It was really, it was just kind of nice to see you right there, ESPN2, the country. Got to listen in <coughs> to Pete Souza. And you guys sounded great, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, man, thank, thanks for having me. I don't know what I like more, the uh, the Smaltz's ad or the Naughty by Nature song that I heard before we got to yeah. the segment. But I'm pretty, I love Smaltz's, love it. And I love Naughty by Nature, too. So I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. I mean, they probably, you know, they don't have the cheesesteak that you're used to. I don't know if you've ever been able to find a cheesesteak. Now, were you a Geno's guy or? What's no, the, uh... I, my favorite place is is close. You know, I grew up outside of Philly. Like, I, I went to this place called Archbishop Carroll, which is like we played in the Philadelphia Catholic League. So I was, like, right on the brink of the city. But there's a place called Conestoga Pizza that's right by Villanova University that was my family's go-to. I mean, my my parents used to write used to write checks there in, like, 1977, you know, right when I was born. That's right when they moved to Philadelphia. That's how long ago it was. But, yeah, that's – and it's kind of just regular American cheese um, on the steak. The bread has a lot to do with it, like a lot to do with it, right? That's that's my belief in the uh, in, in the magic of the cheesesteaks in that area. Yeah, so did you grow up a, a Nova fan? Uh, and uh, and were you, were you suffering when you saw them uh, have that last-second loss to uh, K-State last night? Well, I was suffering because we were supposed to start our broadcast right at 8.05. And then yes. I was like, and then it, you know how that goes, Matt. They kind of, you re, you revamp the whole broadcast on the fly, which is fine. I mean, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I was like, I was thrown for two loops. One, Villanova had blown it. We were going to overtime. And two, then they did blow it. Uh, yeah. And then it was cool, though, to do a little segue that, hey, here's Jerome Tang, part of this Baylor basketball coaching tree. And they just pulled off a magnificent win for their program. And now here we are. Here's the godfather, Scott Drew, and his Baylor team. And yeah. at this point, I think they had about an eight-point lead. And that's one of the things. And just being with with Fran Frischella, right, uh, for, for the better part of the day, and talking about Baylor basketball and the program 20 years ago, 21 years ago, and where the program is today. And we know that culture is the most overused word in sports. But at the same time, it's undeniable what they have going on at Baylor. Just being at the practice, being around Coach Drew, it, it's just it's different. And Ray J. Dennis had the quote that I love, and I got to experience it yesterday, just being at practice, you know, just being there. Um, and he said, you know, everybody talks about culture, uh, especially when they're recruiting you as a transfer portal. But when it's right in front of you, you can feel it. And, you know, that's why he came to Baylor. And that's why if you're just within arm's length or uh, of that team and that whole environment, you can feel it. I mean, it's different. Scott Drew's different. He, yeah. he operates with 
an energy of gratitude, right? And that culture of joy. And it doesn't end with him. It ends with the last guy on the bench, right? Austin Sachs. And you can, you can just feel it being around that program. And it's very clear. Not only do they have something so special off the floor and in the locker room and with the coaching staff and with the fans in the school, but I mean, there are, you, you see, they're 11 deep, man. And we're talking about 11 really, really good players. Yeah, it, it is uh, good. And it was interesting to see Ray J and his game matched up with Richmond for Seton Hall. He was obviously their best player, and he had a nice post-up game and could do some good things. So I'm glad that game was at least somewhat competitive for a while. And uh, and you and you and uh, Fran didn't have to get off into storytelling mode, although Fran can do that. Uh, boy, I bet Fran's body language was not great, though, when he knew the national audience wasn't with him from the start, okay? I mean, it was ESPN3. And Fran then suddenly, when you brought the wide audience in, now those of us that have the ESPN app, we were already with you. Don't worry. But um, if you tried to watch that overtime game, though, it really was. I was trying to do both and go back and forth at the first. And it was 10 to 9 when you brought everybody else in or something like that. It is crazy how you can – there's a a lot of back and forth that can happen right at the first of a game. And uh, and that was all all taking place. But you're right. That's a good – it's a good – it's a good group. But what's crazy is that they can maintain the culture – while bringing so many new players into it. I mean, with Misi, with Jacoby Walter, Ray J, I mean, you know, you it's one thing to kind of talk about, but when you bring, I don't know, four, five, six new players into it, um, including the freshmen and the transfers, that's not easy. I mean, you know, those things aren't always smooth, yet this, I guess you have to know what you're looking for. And Ray J could have gone to... I think it was Illinois. None could have gone. Actually, none was. Uh, which one is from Michigan? Is that none? Is that Jay None? Yeah. Well, none is he, from Flint, Michigan, and he's a transfer yeah. from VCU. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying, he's yeah. from Michigan. Yeah. I bet they. That's right. I think Michigan was after him, and uh, Illinois was after Ray J. So for Baylor to get and those Jacob guys, Walter, that, that's a guy that could go anywhere, and he is. He does. He's got no ego. I mean, you got a guy who's going to go six in the draft or higher, more than likely, right? I'm not the expert, but that's what they're saying. Guys around the NBA that we had a chance to talk to last night that were there, 17 scouts are there, you know, more than likely to see Jacoby Walter. And he has got no ego, which, I mean, that is that is the most Scott Drew thing ever, right, to have a guy like that. And it hasn't always been the case, right? Baylor's, you know, you get some guys there that have egos. That's That's just how it is, but... He is a specific, uh, unique individual in the sense that he's a lottery pick, no question, and probably top 10, top six, top five. And he's uh, after the game, all he wants to do is talk about his teammates. And he's the guy that got saddled with two fouls early in the championship game in the NIT against Florida. And he, he spent all but two minutes on the bench in the second half of that game in Brooklyn, and he was the loudest cheerleader yeah. on the bench and it's people, you know, those scouts and I got a chance to talk to Fran about this a little bit before the game, you know, they talk to Fran at the games and, you know, they want to know, Hey, what's he like? What's his body language like? And Fran's like, it's just so easy and so great to talk about how wonderful of a kid this is. Uh, you know, it just makes, 
it's pretty easy and it feels good to talk about how good of a man Jacoby Walter is. And I, I man, this is a, uh, this is pretty exciting. This is probably one of the best Baylor teams that, you know, we're talking about a team that won a national championship at this point in the year. Um, and the, as, as deep a team as there's been in a while. Yep. We'll have to watch uh, Pete Souza joining us on the Matt Mosley show ESPN central Texas. We'll need to watch Texas and Marquette. I want to see where the Longhorns are. I mean, that's a team, yeah. you know, right down the road. Need to see where they are. But Kansas, Houston, Baylor, right in there together. And it's Fran's big point this season. And, of course, if you watch a lot of Baylor like I do, you hear kind of all Fran's stuff. Fran's a lot of games. And so you kind yeah. of hear a lot of the stuff. But, man, he knows all these players, and he knows – Bill Self, and he has huge respect for him. But he's right about Kansas just doesn't go that deep. Now, who knows? They may be in the Final Four. I mean, they could be. Yeah. But they don't strike me. They got one great, you know, Hunter can score. I mean, they got a point guard who's not really a scorer. Um, K.J. Adams is not a scorer. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I agree. DeJuan Harris is is not a scorer. K.J. Adams is a exceptional athlete but like yeah you know who's your go-to guy and Kevin McCuller is a guy that he's playing out of his mind right now but can he keep it going he's not like a shooter I mean that's one of the reasons a lot of people say he ended up back at Kansas because he didn't have the best year shooting last year um so that'll you know if he's going to turn a corner this year we're, we're about to find out he's a great player incredible defender uh so we'll, we'll find out about him but you're right I mean with Baylor, you you got you know Miro Little who would start on three hundred teams in the country, who who doesn't play too much because Ray J Dennis is that good, and now the competition only gets it only increases right. You got Michigan State, you have Duke, uh, then you get a little bit of a breather with Mississippi Valley State and Cornell for Baylor. We're talking about, and then now you're 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 in the thick of the Big Twelve. Yeah, did they tell you all before that game? I didn't. I didn't. You may have addressed this with Chama Chachua. Um, I mean, I know the role he's playing now. He's kind of a big brother, and he's a mentor and all that. But he's he's also still can he actually can shoot threes, and he could help you on the floor some. Was he? Were they were they holding him out last night, or was that uh, they just cho- he just didn't get in? I mean, because Grimes didn't play. Uh, JTT, because, I, 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 again, us joining that game in progress, I didn't really totally have a sense of, like, who was being held out for whatever reason. Chama Chaitwa missed one game. I think they sat him out, you know, just to be cautious or something. But I, I assume last night they just didn't they just didn't see there wasn't a time to put him in, perhaps. We had – nobody gave us, like, any kind of official word on that, right? And okay. it was one of those things where – he came out to warm up. And, you know, we know after that debilitating injury and just yeah. being around Baylor this year and watching him, he's almost like uh, – it's not fair to call him this because the guy's a monster, but it's almost like the Tin Man, right? You gotta, he has to get oiled up. I mean, he, he was out there last night, 90 minutes before the game. Uh, I mean, shirt off, you know, and Adonis just running up and down the court, sweating, getting a workout in. And it wasn't one of those inactive workouts. You know, as I've been told, that's what he does to get ready to play now, right? Because he's yeah. still kind of, you know, re- coming back from that injury. So I expected to see him play at some point. I mean, yeah. he looked very healthy before the game. He did not play. And by yeah. the time we sort of picked up on it and noticed, wow, he hasn't been in the game, Baylor was, was rolling. 
uh, and especially with the way that Misi was playing. And O'Donnell. Yeah. So it was, it was almost like, hey, maybe we have, you know, I don't know. And I, I didn't talk yeah. to Coach about it, but it was almost as though, hey, maybe this is an opportunity where we can give him rest. Yeah, maybe. I, I, uh, it's got to be strange um, to have this situation because last year he came back and, yeah. and uh, unbelievably, and then Ojanwana lost time. Like he ate up other people's time because he was, he was, came back as a three point shooter and was ready to impact the team. And honestly, these bigs are so good right now with uh, Misi and Ojanwana and Loner's playing really well. Uh, yeah. And Bridges, you got too you got too many front court players. It's a good problem to have. I knew Scott; he's not wired to play eleven guys. Like it's just not in him. I mean, coaches can talk about that and say they want to do that, and they get in a game, and you just can't. Like you, you, you yeah. I mean, eight, eight is where you're probably most comfortable. Maybe nine. And I even looked, and Miro got two minutes in that game last night. So I don't want to get too much in the weeds. I would say, Pete Ojanwana. I mean, I think that caught everybody, including Fran, who's seen as much Baylor basketball as anybody, by surprise when he's 17 feet out and he puts that little jab step and he, yep. t- and he goes to his left and he, he uses the dribble to explode into that dunk. I mean, that, that's kind of like – that was a wow moment, I thought, including – and also Eve's dunk, uh, the alley-oop. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can throw it too high for Eve. No, you I mean, can't. That, yeah. And we've talked to people at Baylor, and Pat Nunley told this story. I heard it on Saturday. He told it on the radio broadcast. But that as far as the the, 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 the reach, right, how high up that Misi gets when he jumps uh, for his vertical, that's the high. His ability to reach is the highest, four inches higher than any Baylor player that has been measured by Charlie Melton on Baylor's you know strength and conditioning staff in 19 years. So we're talking about – it's scary. Like you said, you can't throw it too high. And that has got to be intimidating for the opposition. And you're right. When you talk about Ojamwana and that, he's showing ability almost 20 feet from the hoop to lose uh, a smaller opponent and get the bucket and jam on him. There's a lot. And that's another thing, too. With Baylor, and again, this is the last thing we'll say, getting too deep in the weeds. But you know they do that play off the tip, right, uh, where yeah, they try yeah. to get an alley well, being at Seton Hall's practice, where they successfully get an alley you know, if people don't know, Baylor starts the game, you know, with that jump ball, they've been able to get a tap and, and get Misi a dunk off a lob, uh, off a beautiful play design by Sky Drew. Well, Seton Hall yesterday was spent probably, I don't know, five, eight minutes during their shoot-around preparing for that. Now, that just gives you an idea. That's one more thing that a team has to prepare for playing Baylor. And now you have one more thing. Like Ojan went outside at the top of the key almost, being able to jab step and dunk on people. There is a lot to wrap your mind around as an opponent getting set to play Baylor. And, you know, the next opponent doing that is is Michigan State, which is a real good power five program. And after that it's Duke. So I I'm I'm super excited to see how things shape up. And by the way, Foster Pavilion, man. We're it seems like, you know, there was a little bit of skepticism about that place if it's going to open up on time. But, I mean, it seems like we got the green light. They're playing basketball in there January 2nd. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like a last minute for a party or something. Like they're (laughs) going to be trying to (laughs) paint stuff, like right before they take the court. Uh, It could, you know, but it's looking good. I mean, our man J-Mo, John Morris, has done a lot of reports 
He goes over there yeah. in his hard hat. I think he loves putting that hard hat on, and I, I think it's a little much that he wears a tool belt during those reports. But he puts well, he his tool belt on. He's a man in showbiz, so he needs to wear that hard hat. Yeah, yeah. The man does not like to miss a game, uh, and uh, so as you well know. And uh, but yeah, he likes to kind of get in there and, and do that. And I like the guy he talks to. Uh, it's funny. I will never recognize that guy. He's like head of projects or something for Baylor without his uh, yeah. goggles on. You know, like I exactly. <laughs> you can walk right past him in the HUB and you wouldn't know. Yeah, they hey they told me the um, the priest for Seton Hall was very active, working the officials. I mean, uh, like getting after it over on the sideline. This was not Sister Jean, uh, no. you know, like like we used to see with Porter Mosier. I mean, and by the way, I looked up the other day; she's hundred and four years old now. Whoa! Yeah, yeah there, Isn't that there crazy? are Porter Moser tells some incredible stories about that run yeah. uh, at Loyola Chicago and her being there, and she had quite. You're quite the personality. I mean, she yeah. wasn't afraid of the spotlight, right? But by yeah. the way, I'm Catholic, right? Raised Catholic. The yeah. two Catholic priests, uh, Father Rob Hagen at Villanova, and I don't know the priest's name last night from Seton Hall, but they're they're old for their last two uh, at the Farrell Center. And we're talking about some pretty big losses. I, if you remember, in 2021, uh, Villanova got thumped at the Farrell Center, and then Seton Hall the same, so you know, much to their chagrin and working the refs. I know my friend, Father Rob, at Villanova, he doesn't work the refs, but he, last night, Seen Hall's guy was, but to no avail. Who, I wonder who our Baylor, I mean, we got that Weeby, I like him, and then we got somebody named, uh, oh, I heard his name, Brewer. I think we got a couple yeah. of pastors sitting around over there, um, but I, I'm yeah. afraid they're like non-denom guys. I mean, I think they're kind of... <laughs> I'm afraid they're not even Baptists. They're just kind of going off to a Bible church. I'd like to know more about them because the priest, that's what I like about a Catholic priest. You know, you always know. They got the collar on. Um, uh, yeah, you know exactly yeah. where they are and who they are. Yeah. I saw a movie the yeah. other day, and in, in the, in the, uh, it was supposed to be like a Baptist church. In the past, the, Baptist, the pastor was wearing a white collar. And I was like, okay, whoever did, did this film did not By the understand. By you're out on it. The credibility's destroyed. Yeah, yeah, you can't have a Baptist uh, pastor like up there in a collar like that. And they're not doing the intinction. They're not using wine or anything like that. They're doing the the grape juice. I mean, you can't be wearing the white the white yeah, the white collar. But uh uh anyway, now what do you think about uh um uh, this this big matchup? Eagles coming into town and Pete Souza is joining us and for people that don't know, he is from the Philadelphia area. And uh, or how do y'all say it? Like Fran does that thing where he doesn't say area; he says area, area. area. The only I'll lose you guys when I start talking about water because that's how we yeah, say yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It you is can do funny. That and... I, I was I don't have like too. I mean, and luckily I really can't right within the line of work I do. But I don't have too many of the accents. But it is hilarious. You'll I'll talk to people. Uh, from the area where I grew up, and there, oh, it's 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 water, and you know it's it's, mm-hmm. it's tournament. Uh, it's it's funny, but I, I am tournament, excited tournament yeah. for, for this game. But I'm I, I got to be honest, I'm 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 terrified as well. I I think the Cowboys are peaking. I think the Eagles have come back come back down to earth. And here's the thing, I I appreciate like what you would call, quote-unquote, a good loss that kind of gives your team, shakes them up, gives them perspective. The Eagles at 10-1, and one, I think their record was not quite an indication of really 
how good they were. Maybe I, I don't know, overrated. You know, they were ten and one, but I think it's good to kind of get them shaken up and have that loss last week against San Francisco, maybe to get their attention. But when you're looking at, I think home home field advantage is just so important, right? So losing that game to San Francisco last week for for the Eagles is a real come down. And this game against the Cowboys now on the road on a Sunday night is it's not a must win, but I mean, if you're really talking about the Super Bowl, I always believe that home field advantage is so important, especially in a place like Philadelphia, where the weather is cold around that time of year, you're playing outdoors, you're playing on grass. And at the end of the day, Matt, you only have to win. I say only, but you win two games and you're in the Super Bowl. Uh, you, you fall down to that three seed or you, you get kicked around maybe to the fourth seed, which won't happen to Philadelphia, but you don't want that long road to hoe. Uh, you want to be able to win two and get to the Super Bowl. That's that to me is just a great position to be in. And, you know, if, if, if you, if you really want to be there and you're the Eagles, you got to win Sunday night and that's a scary environment and the Cowboys are playing so well. Cowboys do not lose at home. And there'll be a few Eagles no, fans who show lot, up, but they've had 14 yeah. straight wins at home. I don't know how this happened. And and I there's there may be a good loss, but there's also like a good win, close win. I think they finally got challenged by Seattle. I think that was good that they were in a game and they were down 28-20. And watch the situation. Mike McCarthy, appendicitis, emergency surgery today. He's going to try to be back out there, but that's you just. I mean these these are these are like you know we talked about well oiled machines. I mean these are yeah. creatures of habit, right? These players, and when you don't have the head coach there for two or three days of the week, I mean it can kind of throw you off a little bit. So we'll see. I I, I mean 100%. I think uh, and I think and I, I read that today and like you know Eagles Cowboys rivalry okay, but that's you know it's heated and. But that stinks. I, I feel terrible that, that he's going through that. And, of course, you think about his family and you just hate that. But then you also think, man, I think, is that aggressive that he thinks he'll be back by Sunday night? Is that mm-hmm. even possible? Like, do you even want to do it? Yeah, so like you said, it does kind of shake up uh, mm-hmm. the environment, getting ready for a huge game. Like, the Cowboys are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which I think is very telling. Uh, I, I think it will be a very close game. Uh, and I do think the Cowboys will will eke out a victory. I think that's yeah. just – I think that's a lot to ask of the Eagles. Yeah. Well, he's coming, he's going to come back because he doesn't want Dan Quinn to have the biggest win of the year. What is everybody going to say <laughs> when Dan Quinn goes out there and leads the Cowboys to a huge win? Everybody's going to be talking about that. All right, well, we uh, – this is fun. We need to do it more often, and uh, and I'm glad uh, glad to get to catch up. You did a great job, and that was fun to see on national TV. And and uh, you've got that look. You got that Spatola short haircut, but you're and you can do the the uh, 24 hour shadow or whatever you call it. But but you're not. I mean, I like the guy. Okay, Spatola seems pretty nice, but he's also kind of cocky, and you don't come across that way. Uh, you may be cocky in real life, but no, you no, don't, I can't, you I can't don't come be across cocky, that man. way. I'm, <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to well, be with you, you. I have extreme yeah. gratitude. 
I well, promise. it's always it's always fun to catch up. Let's do it again. Hey, let me ask and, you: uh, think you think Jim? You think Jim Howard's listening? That's my guy. I hope he is. That's Jim, right. Jim's a great I, whenever friend. Whenever I'm on here, and, he always hears. That's my guy. Yeah, unless he's playing tennis. But uh, <laughs> he's he's the youngest seventy-five-year-old man any of us will ever know. Uh, and I, I may be he may be even younger than that. But he's uh, yeah. he's a, he's a great guy. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll visit with you soon. All right, man. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Take care. Tell Aaron I said hey. Okay. Pete Souza. I mean, just amazing.